0: Hi, this is Tamson Granger.
1: This is Dan Abuha.
0: But Tamson and Dan read the paper on uh, Monday, October 2nd.
1: Yeah, I missed the beginning of October. That was yesterday, huh? Right, uh, yeah. Was October 1st, mm.
0: my dad's birthday. He would have been 101. Wow. And uh, last week was Pepper's birthday. She, she was, was three. Three, although
1: she says she's six. She's still and saying she's six, but she's no, I mean, happy she's, with
0: three. Uh, I actually said something about. Uh, her, I, I mentioned she's three on, uh, I guess it was Saturday or Sunday. Her yeah. birthday's Monday, the 25th. And she said, I'm not three. I'm just two. Mm-hmm. I said, well, you're going to be three in a day. She's a stickler. She's a stickler when she wants to be. Yes. Okay. And uh, also, uh, happy birthday, Kathy Easton.
1: Mm-hmm. Somewhere between three it, and one hundred one. and Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Uh, our... Uh, engineer ellie's mom mm-hmm. and uh our favorite one of our favorite naturalists mm-hmm. um from the old country from the old country <laughs> yes from cranberry For cranberry yes. um yeah um, so, so, so it was a good it was a good trip it was well we didn't uh, say there
1: was a trip so you were talking about had, pepper because you were in california
0: yes i had to go out to california to make the cupcakes you, you had to
1: go out. no no pepper made the cupcakes well I've seen the pictures. I've seen the, the video. Uh,
0: Pepper did all the work. Yeah. And uh, and this year, um, you stayed home.
1: Well, it was Yom Kippur that week. Yom Kipper. Mm.
0: And uh, so uh, Sadie mm. met me out in California. Right. She traveled from North Carolina. Mm. And uh, we met in Ventura. And uh, we made uh, a big party for pepper. Well, it, it was a good, it, it was a good party. Was, I heard there was more than 40 people there. Yeah. The thing was it went pretty smoothly. Yeah. For a cavalcade of toddlers, actually. The um, the game the, the trick of it was keeping the kids outside. The party oh. was in the backyard, and that meant all the kids wanted to get inside mm. and play with the toys inside. Oh. And they were doing all manner of uh, sly tricks yeah. to get inside including saying they needed to use the potty yes. and you know at this age we're all suckers for anyone who says they need to use the potty yeah. oh yeah 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 right this way and uh, they would get it and say oh second thought i really just need to check out this toy over here mm. you know mm. um but uh, generally uh, they did pretty well and it was a beautiful day because that's what California that's specializes that, that's in. That's the
1: one thing California has. Yes, uh, very nice weather. Yeah.
0: Um, and uh, it was, uh, I think, a, a success. Sure. sure. Uh, we served uh, light hors d'oeuvres, including Zeke's famous pizza.
1: Well, that's not light hors d'oeuvres; that's pizza.
0: Well, it wasn't like we were doing a sit-down dinner for yeah. forty-five people. It's, it's, or, it's,
1: it's substantial. And
0: uh, and and it was fun. It was. Uh, fun to have a project like that and help out there was various construction going on light construction really yes before before the party yeah well they're always well, Noel us. was putting up curtain yeah rods yeah. Um, well
1: look what happens is when you have an event like that you were sealed into action. You know, and you say, oh, gee, if people are coming over. I, I want to do X, Y, and Z. I mean, I think well, I've that's seen that. Well, that's why you people. have events. That's why you have that people one? over. Okay. Yeah.
0: So you finish the project. You get things mm-hmm. cleaned up. You get things uh, fancied up. And then everybody leaves and you get to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Okay? okay. But that that's what galvanizes you into. That's why, you know, Mother Nature invented holidays, you know, to uh, just urge you along.
1: Okay. I always wondered about that.
0: All right, good. Meanwhile, good. you seem to, I, I did fine traveling. I had one slight delay, but I did pretty well mm-hmm. um, traveling, but you you have caught a cold somehow.
1: Yeah, well, it's a bad cold, but, you know, it, <laughs> it, it's, uh, you know, I could blame Hossie, but, you know, I, I don't really have enough evidence to blame Hossie. He's, he's an easy guy to blame. Yeah. And I did see him twice. But it's a typical,
0: it's, it's the typical um, daycare disease kind mm-hmm. of thing. Could be. Could yeah, be. we we visit the kids, mm-hmm. and uh, they bring home treats from daycare. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. Sniffles. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so that was the big excitement uh, last week.
1: All right, so we have to catch up on events. I mean, um, yeah. Well, look, uh, there's just a couple of things we noticed. One thing that was all over the newspapers over the last week, for reasons barely known to me, is the ba- uh, the Bachelor show, the Bachelor is going to feature as The Bachelor, a fellow who's 72 years old. And uh, The Bachelor previously, you know, the the guy who's uh, attracting these women who want to date him and perhaps even do even more, has been, you know, in his 20s or maybe early 30s. But now television has discovered that they can do a show where The Bachelor's over 70 years old. And this is supposed to be, you know, a cultural development in some ways, or at least that's the way they're publicizing it. But of course it is just in line with the market, as things are.
0: Well, that's what I said to you. You said, you said to me, there's an awful lot of articles about this Bachelor show. Yeah. Well, let me just tell you, yeah. there have always been a lot of articles about the Bachelor I, show. Well, okay? the, the, and if you watch any kind of news programs or yeah. entertainment news on TV, they constantly are bringing up shows like that. Yeah. Okay. So, But because it was an old guy... This is the first time you noticed it. That's... You know, exactly you, you, you probably just... Your eyes glaze over when it's another... I'm looking for my... You know, 20 or 30-something right. looking for a date. And yeah. now that it's a 72-year-old... I'm drawn in. You're drawn in.
1: Yeah. Well, but here's what I... And you said also, to your credit, you said it makes perfect sense because the people who watch television are older people. No,
0: what I said to you... What? I said... Of course, because only old people read the newspaper.
1: Well, that's wrong. So, uh, so yeah, they're I'm so they're going credit. to,
0: you know, have articles that appeal to older people. Right. They're gonna they're zero in on yeah, these. Yeah, but let, let me.
1: At its core, it's about programming, and it is because old people watch television. Now, now I kind of knew this a little bit. The old, the idea that younger people scream and Let's older be specific. Yeah, I'm going to be specific. I'm going to be very specific. And older people have been uh, more likely to uh, stay loyal to normal network programming. We all have that sense. Well, here's now evidence, okay? In the most recent television network season, the median viewer was 60, older than 60, for most TV entertainment shows. The Voice, we see that advertised all the time, we don't watch it, the average viewer, 648 The Masked Singer, 60.6. Grey's Anatomy, 64 point young. Young Sheldon, which is about a, you know, a prepubescent boy, as far as I can tell, 65 plus. Now, I'm not shocked by this, but I didn't assume this. Did you?
0: Yeah, I did. You did, huh? Yeah, it's clear. I don't um, don't actually watch any of those shows. No. But I do. I am a sucker for TV news, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I've stuck with uh, um, networked news to some extent. Uh, mm-hmm. Although it's less rewarding than it's ever been. Yeah, that's uh, that's a, that's a and low bar. it's clear, yeah. it's clear from all the commercials and uh, all the stories that it's directed at the elderly.
1: Well, all the pharmaceutical ads is going of tip you off, right?
0: Right, uh, yeah, but it's more than that. And um, and, and just the, the stories that they have mm-hmm. are clearly subject matter. And every once in a while, they bring up something new and different, clearly designed to appeal to a younger audience. Yeah. And I'm just like, uh, how, how is that even going to work? Who is even going to see that? Yeah. So, well, I guess so, so. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, I assume that uh, only the elderly are watching television. Um, yeah, I do but, uh, I mean, people watch television, hmm. but not network.
1: Right, they stream or whatever.
0: Yeah, but, I, but, uh, they, I mean, they yeah.
1: Yeah, that's the old, that's, that's the dichotomy I'm talking about. Okay. Normally, scheduled television, like you know, Tuesday at 9 o'clock is The Voice. I'm making this up. But, you know, I think it is at a particular time, a particular day. We don't watch television like that anymore. No. But a lot of people do. No, Apparently. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, here's a show that uh, this has to do with Young people, sort of. And one thing I saw when you were away was the Notre Dame game, which was kind of interesting. Notre Dame played Ohio State in a classic football game between two top five teams. For about ten. Wait days. a
0: minute! Wait a minute! You're not uh, so you so you're just dropping the bachelor. I am. Boom. Oh, yeah. That's I'm, it. I you're you no, seventy two years old. You have no comments.
1: I don't care how about well, his guy's love life. Do you have <laughs> you have a view on his love life? No. no okay. I have no interest. Are you going to watch them No. I've,
0: I've never. You know watched. what I? You know shows. what I was interested. In?
1: I was curious what would be the age of the women that they had on the show? And, and the yeah, greatest... 50 sin. and up. Well, but the greatest sin they could have committed if it was like 50 to 60 because they would have been all younger. But it's not the case. It's not the yeah. case. Yeah. It spans up to early 70s. Right. Yeah. Oh, right. Good for them.
0: But it, 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 that kind of thing is not interesting. I mean, and the way it's edited, uh, you know, they're just going to tell the story they want to tell. Well, so but it's, it, it, it's that's not my... Like it's,
1: that's where we're going. That's yeah. where we're going. That's, everything's edited the way people want things to appear so I'm watching the Notre Dame plays Ohio State, critical game, millions of dollars at stake because it's uh, bowl positioning and that sort of thing, who's going to win the national championship. And it comes down to a couple final plays at the uh, one-yard line. Ohio State's got the ball, and they ultimately score and win in the last play of the game. And it turns out they did that, they succeeded in that, because the last two plays of the game, Notre Dame only had two, excuse me, 10 men on the field. <laughs> Instead of the 11 men that you're allowed to have on defense, they only had 10. And so um, adroitly, Ohio State ran at the space in which there was supposed to be a defender on the defensive tackle side by Notre Dame. And the defender wasn't there, and they got into the end zone.
0: And so what's the blowback from this?
1: Well, here's the blowback. Well, first of all, the believe it or not, the Notre Dame coach was quite criticized for this. but
0: yeah. Well, one would think.
1: Yeah. And they, they blame it on the coaching staff. And it's not a very forgiving fan base in Notre Dame. So there's that. But he's a pretty young, new coach. So there's, he's still in the honeymoon period. But I can tell you this that I know, and you you know this from watching football too. Um, one of the hardest things to do when you're coaching kids, and I'm coaching high school kids, is lining them up. Right. It's it Lining them up is in, its, is in its own category. It's not like, let's line up, let's go do some substantive stuff. No, 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 no. Lining up, kids who are 18 years old, 17 years old, 19 years old, 20 years old. It's not easy to do. It's a thing. So you're
0: giving this guy a pass.
1: I'm not giving him a pass. I, he, you know, here's why I'm not giving him a pass. Because it's so well known that it's hard to line up young people. That if you remember, we used to watch the Dartmouth football games. I'm going to come back to Dartmouth football in a second when Sean was playing at Dartmouth, all right? Right. And when they – you'll remember this. When they would have like a play, like a punt play or something like that, they had a punting team we get ready on – they would put out these little discs, 11 discs. Do you remember this? They'd throw them on the ground. Mm-hmm. And everybody that's supposed to go in the game was supposed to stand for a second on the disc so they could make sure they had 11 players oh, before no, I they just, went in. that.
0: Oh, that's yeah. True? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Because it's a thing. It's mm-hmm. a thing. As, as Roy Campanella used to say, Roy Campanella was a Major League Baseball player when he was talking about baseball. But he said, you know, it's a man's game but you have to have a lot of little boy in you. These (laughs) these guys have a lot of little boy in them. And if you ever try, you know, line up Ozzie, you know. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not shocked. not at all surprised by that. I mean, the other sports thing of note, talking about little boys, is uh, the Mets' uh, failed season has mercifully come to an end. And perhaps predictably, they have uh, terminated their manager, Buck Showalter, who's a very nice guy and very capable. But they're bringing in new management. We have a new president of operations and he will, you know, he's viewed as being entitled to pick his own guy. So we can look forward to a new You He regime. said he had
0: a press conference. He was choked up.
1: Buck was. Yeah. Not the new president. The, yeah. yeah. Buck was choked up. Well, Buck, look, Buck is a kid. He's 62 years old. He's 63 years old. When I watch him, he feels like he's his oldest time, but he's younger right. than we are. Yeah. Uh, but the truth of the matter is he's not going to get another opportunity. Mm -hmm. It's not like he's saying, well, it didn't work out with the Mets and managing the Red Sox next year. No one's hiring a manager 63 years old. It's just not happening. Mm -hmm. So for him, it's really the end, which is too bad. But um, that's the the way the business works. So I noticed
0: in the – was it in the New York Times where they listed uh, MVPs for the MLB for the year?
1: Uh, Maybe. What about it? I'm on to that. I know everything there is to know. The two of the
0: guys listed were people that uh, you know. Lindor, yeah, was one of them. That'd
1: be for the Mets, not for the league. Yeah.
0: No, for the, they picked out it was a page of yeah. all the best, the top players. The okay. People Lindor they had an excellent season. The yeah. MVP. No,
1: no, no. They, they, he would get some votes. No one thinks he's the MVP of no, 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 the no, league. No, no,
0: no, no, is They said, this is not about voting. This is just who, we don't care yeah. whether anybody would vote for these people. These are the people okay. who are the best. And the other was Zach Wheeler.
1: Okay. So Lindor hit 31 home runs, drove in 100 runs, and he's one of the best fielding shortstops in the league.
0: And you said so many mean things about him. The problem, so many.
1: I can tell you the problem with Lindor. Okay, the problem oh. with Lindor is his salary, and I shouldn't care about his salary, but he's like the highest-paid player in the National League. Okay, and he—he's not that level. He's a very good player. You're glad he's on the team. Okay.
0: The team seems to love him.
1: The team seems to love him. I, I, you know, I, I like we, him if once you and Watch on. the
0: interaction. You yeah. know, he seems. He seems like All a- right,
1: right, right. Zach Wheeler is always a favorite of mine. Yes. And,
0: not uh, playing on the Mets anymore. The Mets, the
1: stupidly, and two regimes ago, decided that that's a guy who had no future in baseball. <laughs> and after he had two wonderful seasons with them, they decided not to re-sign him. And since then, over the last three years, he's been like one of the top two or three pitchers in baseball. The fact that I, who actually has never been a general manager of a major league team, although I should have been, <laughs> uh, could see this from this distance is alarming, and the Mets didn't even make him an offer. You know, they've suffered for it as a result.
0: Well, you'll have to find that page and see. Yeah, I you know, mean, what else you can? Glean they must list
1: it. like the MVP of each team or something like that. It and, wasn't
0: of the each team. No? it was more like uh, these are the best players in the.
1: He's he's a top player, but he. He's not in the top 10. He's a a top 15 player. He's a top 20 player. There were like, there was a
0: zillion people. You know what it is? You know
1: what's funny? This is a funny numbers game, okay? Lindor is never the best shortstop in the league. He's always like the third best shortstop in the league. But the two guys in front of him change. So uh, there are two guys in front of him this year. They're not the same two guys who were in front of him last year. They're not the same two guys in front of him the year before. So you look at it over a course of time, you say, you know, Lindor's really good. But when you're sitting there in the middle of the season, you say, gee, he's not even the best shortstop on the league. These mm-hmm. guys are better than making half the money. I, so, uh, you know, whatever.
0: I, You know what? I, I don't think that's a small thing. Okay. guy right. Consistency. I yeah.
1: He came on in the second half of the year. His first half of the year was pretty bad. That's where you heard a lot of grumbling. Okay.
0: Yeah. You you were cranky guy where Lindor was concerned. Aye, aye, aye.
1: Okay. So, um. So, I it, was out in California yeah. reading
0: the New York Times uh, on my phone. Yeah. Uh, because it uh, ain't easy to get a paper copy, a hard copy of the New York Times in California. Yeah, sure.
1: We found it. Uh, didn't we find it at the Super Bowl? Oh,
0: it, 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 it was a tremendous uh, chore to okay. go around All right. uh, All trying right. to so get any paper. You know, paper. So I, I can survive yeah. with uh, a digital version. Okay. And uh, so, uh, so a while before this came out... Uh, in the paper there was an article about tinned seafood mm-hmm. all right which is now we love tinned seafood oh we like sardines right? yeah we like sardines mm-hmm. um we like a lot of uh, basically uh, preserved seafood I, I like anchovies okay those are sardines i like too. Yeah. um um there's all kinds of tuna i don't know if people realize there's any expensive tuna there's very expensive uh, tuna that comes uh, very often in jars, not cans, but mm-hmm. o- often comes in cans mm-hmm. that can be very good. Uh, and uh, But we've liked, uh, and, you know, I'm also a fan of smoked oysters. Um, okay. But we've been kind of eating fresh oysters uh, yeah, that's a little for exciting, a while. Like, yeah. So um, not so much to smoke. But anyway, um, we like sardines from a tin. I make a very Good uh, sardine pasta. Yeah, it's a it's one of those great things to have in your repertoire because it's things that are always in your pantry. You know, you just need a tin of sardines, basically, and uh, some uh, linguine or you haven't made spaghetti it for a while. You should make them. Yeah, and uh, but you can also just uh, have sardines on toast. Mm-hmm. It's very good. It's mm-hmm. And sardines are ridiculously good for you right okay so we've been fans fresh sardines are uh, fabulous we have one or two restaurants in the area that grill sardines Mm -hmm. and it's an absolute delight and so you know we've been on the sardine uh, bandwagon for a while but now (laughs) so are some other people in fact uh, there's a store in Times square there is a you know, uh, there was subsequently a headline about uh, forget the M&M store, try the sardine store yeah. in uh, Times Square. And it's called The Fantastic World of Portuguese Sardines. Right. And actually, you know, when we buy um, sardines at the grocery store, they start at like two bucks a tin. Mm. In Times Square, they start at $13 right. a right. tin. Um, but they're supposed to be... Very, very, very good. Ah, uh,
1: you sure about that? Because yeah. I read a different article that said that the gimmick they have going there is they have sardines with different years printed on the sardine can, which don't really corroborate with the year the sardines were caught. It's more like a gimmick. Well, when someone's birthday, you give them a sardine the, can the, with yeah, their birthday. I mean,
0: there already. there are fun tins. There are, there are tins that are fun, but it, is, it can also be about the quality of the sardines themselves. Yeah, All and right. these are you know. Um, but
1: also the other thing about the thirteen dollars sardines is they're at the they bottom. They go up to forty four dollars. Yeah, they're at the bottom of the range. They're at the bottom of the range. So yes. the thirteen dollars sardines have skin on them. The uh, forty four dollar sardines are fillet. They're, they don't have skin on them. Uh, and are uh, in, in the the reviewer I read, actually preferred the cheaper ones. But uh, the point is that uh, arguably the forty four dollars sardines are more deluxe in some ways. But I'm sure all sardines are good. If you have a sardine store like that, the sardines have to be good, right?
0: All right, so we have to give it a try. But anyway, also in the um, article in the food section of the Times, uh, they mentioned the book that Lisa Walsh gave me for my birthday, Okay, Um, which, uh, let's see, let me get the... um, the title right Tin to Table Fancy Snacky Recipes for the Tin Enthusiasts and a Fish Yanados by Anna Hazel H E Z E L and it is a good book it's a it's a delightful book it's a pretty book and has all kinds of ideas about uh, how to use tinned fish and where to buy them there, as again there are different qualities, and you can now, because of uh, the internet and uh, the ease of mail order, uh, you can you know we should get mention, fabulous stuff from all over the country. Which we should, we should mention the and,
1: brand of sardines that we buy because it's quite good. Is it certo. Is that what we're buying? C e r t o. Uh, Cento. Cento. I'm sorry.
0: Um, and and that's a cheap brand. That, that, that's a, yeah, yeah that's a, I know, but they're, but they're st- very they're a step they're above every very, other very sardine I ever yeah. bought. Yeah. Um, and
1: they're in but, the supermarket.
0: Yeah, tin to table is a great uh, book and uh, they printed in the times uh, one of the recipes green anchovy butter so it's uh, basically butter anchovies and a lot of parsley with some lemon and garlic spread onto some nice my mother used to eat
1: uh, sardines with butter which is kind of gross me out but uh, yes
0: this was anchovies close enough okay yeah um, well, how did she eat them with the butter? She put some butter on toast, and yeah,
1: then not toast, just oh, white bread or something. But yeah,
0: and and have uh, yeah yeah you know that's good. But then the times gives other ideas, like how to use um, how to use tinned salmon, use like lox, or put in a frittata. Okay, and then it says mussels, serve atop deviled eggs. Or on potato chips with olive, olives and hot sauce. How do you serve mussels on potato chips?
1: Well the idea is the uh, you know, the contrast between the flavors. Right.
0: I know, but like a n like you're making like nachos but you have well, you mussels and olives. People
1: sometimes crumble potato chips and Set that up. Uh, well, I, don't, make...
0: I don't think they're talking about crumbling the potatoes. <clears throat> I
1: don't know what to say.
0: But, I mean, does it really work, a potato chip and a mussel? I don't you know. As soon as you start making well, yourself... We'll have a... to, you know, we'll have as to try that.
1: As soon as you start making a frittata, you're working too hard. That's, Tin
0: that's... to table.
1: Okay. All right. So you were gonna... and,
0: uh, and then uh, another thing I noticed uh, today, food-wise. Well, you know, we, we we're, uh, you know, I was thinking about my dad. My dad was an engineer, and... Uh, you know, interested in all kinds of machines and so on. And my brothers, of course, have inherited that. And Bryce and Lorna, his wife, were up visiting us uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I think we mentioned that. Um, and uh, that was a lot of fun. And one of their big excitements yeah. was that they went to uh, they went to a local store with uh, cooking equipment in it, and there was an apple peeler, and they bought it, and they said. This is the greatest thing," they said. "We have been borrowing a neighbor's apple peeler for years. Now we're going to have our own. It's the greatest. It peels the apple. It cores it. It slices it. It you know. It just uh, makes. They make applesauce apparently, uh, and uh, she said they said it's a breeze. And darn if it didn't show up in Wirecutter yeah. today, okay. as they said. Far be it from us to uh, encourage you to have another, um, you know, gimmicky gadget in your kitchen. But this is amazing. They all look the same. They've looked the same for 150 years and uh, you can't live without it. You may only use it a couple times a year, but it's worth it. It, it takes like 10 one? seconds to well, peel an apple. When's your birthday? You know, the thing with the crank, right? Yeah. And the yeah. apple I still around. have
1: trouble visualizing it, but yeah. The crank, yeah. Yeah, okay. Birthday, Thompson. Well, our anniversary. Christmas might be sooner. Anniversary. Anniversary. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So, uh, Buddy Tevens passed away. And I was talking about Dartmouth football before. So, we were think of Buddy Tevens. He was the coach of Dartmouth when uh, Sean was there. And Sean... We went to Dartmouth football games and got, you know, became knowledgeable about the program for a few years. The years he was there, and it, it apparently, you know, he's a highly regarded in a coaching fraternity, and it's a sad loss. And, uh, uh and you know, we'd heard he got he was the victim of a bicycle accident, and they do give uh, a few more details here. We'd heard about it for months, and apparently, over some period, they were hoping he recovered. He did not. He was in St. Augustine, Florida, near one of their homes. He was hit by a pickup truck, wasn't wearing a helmet, suffered spinal cord damage, right leg amputated. Sad story. Um, And he's an interesting guy. He was a very successful football player at uh, Dartmouth. And, uh, And he coached there with some success and then went to the big time. He went to several schools, including Stanford. And he never had success, really, at any place when he went to the Big Time. And he ended up back at Dartmouth. And the story here, and you keep reading it, is that, uh, well, the Times story at least, is that his big uh, insight was that he decided they shouldn't have tackling in practice that will minimize concussions. And as they say here, once he... Um, and the Times is all, all about minimizing any anything having to do with football and collisions. Um, that's their thing. Um... Uh, as a result of that, they said uh, the team improved uh, mightily. Uh, they were uh, zero and ten in 2008, 2000, two thousand eight, eight, two thousand eight and eight in two thousand nine, and six and four in twenty ten. And it's because he abandoned tackling in practice. Um, that's nice. As it happens, that has nothing to do with it. Uh, as much as that those were the years that Sean was there, mm-hmm. uh, I would say that much more likely reason. That they succeeded was because Sean was there. Honestly, he was one of the biggest recruits they had had in several years. But there were a couple other guys at his level. They made a big effort at recruiting, and we were following the program those years. And I could come up with their names, but that's not the point. The point has nothing to do with them not tackling and practicing. So it was
0: really just your nephew, Sean. But yeah, let's he leave it there. Turned that. the program yeah. around. He's <laughs> not
1: mentioning this up the tour, but uh, again, it fits the times narrative. So, but he, he's a nice guy, uh, and. Um, it's sad. Especially it was the very price. sad. I yeah. mean
0: he, he, it seemed like uh he was incredibly fit. Yeah. And uh a terrific prop. bike cyclist. Yeah. Didn't he ride across the country yeah. or something? He's Is like he in his, his and he was uh they must have been coming home from something. He was with his he, wife. No, he was
1: near he's a home in Saint Augustine. They were they were near a home yeah, there.
0: No, I mean like coming home from from the bright part. From something. Yeah. Like from dinner or something. I thought it wasn't it in the evening or they
1: don't say. He was 66. Uh, Museum update. You have a museum update, honey. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, Metropolitan Museum of Art. Yeah. They're going to ditch the big store. You know, when you walk in the Met and you're in the Great Hall. Yeah. So you walk up the big stairs. Yeah. You walk into the Great Hall. To the right, on the far side of the hall, is an enormous gift shop. Area, mm-hmm. Have you ever been in there? Probably. I don't
1: remember anything about the Met, even though I've been there a bunch of times. It's okay.
0: All right. Um, anyway, they're going to change that. They're going to make that into a gallery. Uh-huh. And it's going to be part of the Costume Institute. I'm not going to ask you if you've ever been to the Costume Institute. I pretty much know the answer to that. But uh, well, what is the answer to that? The Costume <laughs> Have you ever looked at any clothes in the Met? I don't think so. No, huh? you haven't. So okay. you have not been in the costume good, institute. Good, good, good. Uh, well, I it know it's kind of hidden. You, you, know, the costume institute is hidden. You got to go through yeah, Egypt right, to get there. Right, and sort is, of. And now they're going to have a. Uh, you know, they'll have a nice big gallery that can be used. The other thing they're planning to do is put a new public dining mm. restaurant, Put some dining downstairs, like, underneath the Great Hall. Okay. All right? And that's going to be... And and gift gift. shops. All right, here's my question. So that people can walk right in from the street. Yeah. And they will actually be able to go in, uh, go to the restaurant, Without when the museum is not even open. So they Mm. won't have to keep the museum. uh, They can maximize uh, their restaurant areas Mm. in terms of... uh, yeah. You know, doesn't the, have to coincide with museum hours, which can be a limiting factor right. uh, for a restaurant, and, the gift and also are, the retail, same thing.
1: Well, the, I can tell you that MoMA, the gift shop, is separate from MoMA, so you right. can you can do something. Oh,
0: it, many many museums, that's the case, also with restaurants. But here's my question: Many to you. museums have a restaurant you can. But they always access.
1: say the one phrase you always hear is "exit through the gift shop." Right. So are they going to set up the exit where you have to go downstairs and go and to go to the gift shop to get out?
0: No, that, that's not been the case. Uh, no, at the Met, okay, for a while. I mean, they do have uh, if one of their entrances and exits. They, you know, the the um, for the one on the further south mm. uh, entrance. There's a little gift shop there, but doesn't never seems very busy. That's so, why because uh, they don't make people exit through the gift shop. But you stand. know, here's the thing. They
1: yeah.
0: Uh, Make a remark about this way people won't, people can come right in off the street. They won't have to go up the big stairs. Um, so, for people for whom that's an issue, and I don't know if they meant it's, if it's a political issue or a physical issue, um, because they do have another entrance where you don't have to go upstairs and you have access mm. to um, the elevator, etc. Uh, so I'm, you know, I was just wondering about that. The Brooklyn Museum, they got rid of the main entrance, and everybody went in through street level, and it was actually kind of depressing. Mm. Uh, it was just uh, the sort of event, the grandeur of going up those stairs yeah. and walking into the Great Hall, mm. uh, seemed uh, pretty extraordinary to me. Mm. So I don't know if it's going to change the flavor of the museum at all or or if it you know maybe it will have no effect at all maybe just a few people who want to you know grab dinner are going to go in that way mm-hmm. or get a quick um, you know Christmas present at the gift shop or something yep. and don't want to have to bother going in the museum
1: alright so there was some and it's going to
0: cost 50 million dollars and Anna Wintour is going to raise the money
1: good for her thank and goodness for be, Anna Wintour it'll, it'll
0: take about uh, three years To get it done, they say.
1: Really? In a winter. And the other
0: thing you need to know about... um, She's the best. Ding, 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 museum update. Yeah. uh, Exhibition. You know, blockbuster, Manet Degas.
1: Yeah, the Times is right. Who doesn't love
0: Manet Degas? Similar to your Bachelor show, there have been quite a few articles about Manet Degas as well. Um, It's one of the most important uh, artistic dialogues in the late 19th century in France, you have Manet, Mister socially progressive, uh, versus uh, Degas, conservative uh, socially, but uh, artistically, professionally, Manet's with the old school, you know, um, wanting to be applauded in the, you know, the traditional salon. Uh, Degas lined up with uh, the impressionists, you yeah. know, you know the uh, anarchists. Yeah. Of uh, the art world, have their own mm. salon, etc. Et Manet was buddies with all these people, uh, but he just uh, he wanted to succeed in the traditional ways He felt that was important. Anyway, uh, Olympia, you know you know the painting Olympia, right? Uh, By Manet, uh, yes, you do. The of, nude. Yeah. If I showed it to you, you would uh, I, recognize I it in a nanosecond. It a second, is yeah. leaving France for the first time. It yeah. will. Uh, be coming to uh, New York to be in this show. Dejeuner Suleb not coming. Okay. Because the conditions of its uh, donation were that it cannot leave uh, Paris. Tough break. Uh, but Olympia will be there in case you want to see that in person. All
1: right. Uh, so, uh, Brooks Robinson passed away. Brooks Robinson, the uh, greatest uh, third baseman of his generation, that generation being one that, uh, had him playing in the uh, 1960s, uh, actually his career spanned from 1955 to 1977, he was known as the human vacuum cleaner, uh, he was a great fielder, and, um, he was a pretty good hitter, He's surprisingly good hitter, he doesn't get as much credit for his hitting, because his fielding, if you can believe it, overshadowed his hitting, and it's one of those stories I was reading about him as it happened, because I have that book about the 100 best baseball players of all time, by Joe Posnanski. It's one of those stories about his father drilling him every night when he came home from work. And, uh, you know, he developed these incredible skills even though he wasn't necessarily that athletic, couldn't run that fast and whatever. He had great uh, hand-eye coordination. In any event, uh, he was very impressive when the Orioles played the Mets in the World Series in 1969, although the Mets managed to prevail. And then, uh, subsequently, he was even better when the Orioles played the Reds, and the Orioles did prevail in that one. And I have a quote here from uh, Sparky Anderson, the manager of the Reds, who, uh, you know, whose team bore the brunt of Brooks Robinson's amazing fielding. And here's the quote. He said, I'm beginning to see Brooks in my sleep. If I drop this paper plate, he'd pick it up on one hop and throw me out at first. So, there you go. You get that? You want me to say that again? <laughs> if I drop this paper okay. plate, he'd pick it up. And th- You got it?
0: Well, this is the guy whose dad would uh, um, throw him wild throws because he was getting tired or something. Oh, really? And, uh, wanted, and wanted to um, end the session. Oh, really? And he, Well, he wanted to tire his son out. Oh, I had okay? heard that. No. So, he's throwing him all these crazy you know, knuckleballs or something. Yeah. And... Uh, um, that's what apparently helped him develop his skill. Yeah, no, he, did,
1: he did all kinds of crazy things. I mean, all kinds of drills I could go into that are very I mean, not interesting. But he was, uh, yeah, is a uh, great fielder. Great fielder. uh
0: I could be wrong. That could be a story from no, somebody else. No, it's
1: probably him tossing tennis balls against the steps of his family home hour after hour. All right, enough. You got grabbing the else? caroms.
0: I've got an obituary and I just want to bring this right. up because yeah. um, this is from that uh, Overlooked series in the New York Times where yeah. they take somebody who you know died without being even noticed and uh, tell the story of their life. And it's usually quite interesting. This is Alice Anderson, who lived from 1897, to 1926. She was the proprietess, manageress, and forewoman of Australia's first all-girl garage. Mm. Okay? Mm. So the reason I'm bringing this up is I think she would make a great television series.
1: About a woman's uh, a
0: woman's garage. I mean, she garage was, in the she,
1: sense of their mechanics that work on cars. Yeah, in yeah. Australia. But, but
0: she did all kinds of things. That she, uh, you know, she was a tour operator, a driver. She had a um, postal route for a while. She drove across uh, um, Australia very early on into the desert. I mean, it, all of this information comes from a book by Loretta Smith called "A Spanner in the Works." You know, spanner is uh, British for wrench. Spanner in the works. The extraordinary story of Alice Anderson and Australia's first all-girl garage. So she dressed kind of. She dressed in a tie and a jacket and men's pants. Mm. Okay, so she had this androgynous look, and uh, she had. She was very firm about, you know, everybody working in her garage would be female. I just. (coughs) (coughs)
1: Yeah, I'm listening
0: it's a setting that could just have a lot of stories okay. and i think it would be perfect for today's markets all mm-hmm. right um, and you know it just you, you you could have stories dealing with customers but you could have stories about various uh, you know when they're off uh you know, um, when she's chauffeuring uh, somebody to some events, uh, things happening there, mm. uh, I think it would be just, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of fun okay. um, trying to develop these uh, female uh, mechanic personalities. Mm. You, you'll you have the female mechanic, you'll have the, you know, the bookkeeper, you'll have, you know, the, uh, the boss. I mean... It, I just think it would be a great show. All so right. I'm putting that out there to the universe. I see. Alice Anderson. Okay? okay. It's going to be great. Get on it, people. All
1: right. I don't, I'm not disagreeing. I could be. But speaking of fantastic television series, uh, David McCallum passed away. And as the Times describes him, indelible actor of Man from Uncle and later NCIS. And Man from Uncle. Was, of course, the great, I don't know, what are we calling that? Satirical spa show? Maybe not even satirical. Televi- sort of the television level James Bond thing. Uh, that so was what in the early 60s. On? Early the 60s? Year, yeah.
0: Well, it couldn't have uh, been too early.
1: Well, uh, I'll give you the exact dates if you're really interested. 1964 is when it started. Okay. It ran for four seasons. Okay. So we were watching this as uh, before we became quite teenagers, and it, it was the thing. You'll agree with me; it was, it was absolutely it was the number the one thing. TV show. And uh,
0: um, and I was besotted with Ilya Kuryakin.
1: Well, they do mention that all the you know the, the guys like me, the boys, were very excited about all the action. It was an action show. There were, you know, there were spies. He, uh, Ilya Kuryakin was McCallum's character. He's Russian, and Napoleon Solo, played by Robert Vaughn, the American, and they got into all kinds of scrapes and brilliantly. Uh, save the world every week.
0: But I guess they had a good chemistry together and uh, yeah. I don't think they were expecting McCollum to be quite the, no, the he was, chick he, magnet.
1: Well, what happened was he was brought on as a guest. One show, he had four lines and somehow they were Boom. overwhelmed with the response because all the young happened. women like yourself were excited about it. Which I didn't even understand. I, I didn't pay attention to that.
0: It's amazing that, that uh, they could switch gears. They, they, they must have just observed something. Uh, I don't know. I mean, gears that quickly.
1: It's amazing that he could walk on as an Englishman and then play a Russian so convincingly to all these eleven-year-old girls. They couldn't tell that he was not <laughs> Russian. Uh, they just knew he was foreign. Anyway, yeah, they, you're yeah. right. They went crazy. He was crazy, and so he um, he kind of that was a mixed blessing for him. It's like he was well, it's the usual, yeah, wherever he went. Yeah, yeah. and he, I don't think he considered that the most sophisticated acting in the world. And then he had, uh, you know, a a career in pretty much B-pictures or lesser parts. It wasn't a stellar career uh, in the movies, but he worked. And then he found his way onto NCIS, which is another of your favorite shows, uh, which is what I'll call procedural having to do with military justice. I don't know how you'd describe NCIS. You know it better than I. And uh, that's the one with Mark Harmon. In which he leads his team of crack uh, police officers involved with military personnel uh, to solve all kinds of cases. And he plays the uh, forensics expert on that team. He's always brought in to look at dead bodies or whatever.
0: He's not brought in. He had, had you know.
1: He's the guy. The
0: morgue in the basement. Yes, he's he's in the
1: regular cache. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, I um, once. uh, Robert Vaughn came into Bloomingdale's when I was working there. Oh, is that right? I yes, don't remember this. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in the late 70s. Yeah. It was quite an excitement in the Trim-a-Tree shop.
1: Oh, really? So tell but me more. Been, so what happened?
0: Not, well, nothing much happened. He, you know, I think he sort of waved his arms and said, yeah, I need a tree. You know, send me whatever. Robert um, Vaughn was kind of me, a funny guy. Yeah, because my
1: Robert Vaughn, I don't think he's a very big guy. He's kind of a small guy. No. He's very natty, though. Yeah. And uh, he uh, had a Ph.D., he was actually... He did uh,
0: not, that did not come up in Beanie Dales.
1: <laughs> he took himself pretty seriously. Uh,
0: but but himself- I would have been much more excited if Ilya Kuryakin had showed up.
1: Well, but I, he probably I,
0: wouldn't have looked quite as they probably dashing. Se-
1: they probably sent Robert Vaughan to buy the tree because if they sent Ilya, it would have been a problem. But in any event, so Dave McCallum was on this other show for a lot of years because that's NCIS is a successful show. And he said he enjoyed being on NCIS quite a bit. He liked the character. He learned a lot about forensics. And he still gets recognized, but now recognized for NCIS. And he said he kind of didn't mind it at all, because he always would give himself an extra fifteen minutes for he had to walk somewhere in New York, because he's going to walk around, someone's going to stop him, and get into a conversation about forensics. Well, uh, he
0: had the kind of character that uh, you thought would be very approachable. So, well, but, but you have to tell one,
1: that story about when it came. Well, they said,
0: well, was in one of the NCIS shows. Um, one of the characters, one of the younger characters, uh, says to Gibbs, Mark Harmon, uh, you know, what did Ducky look like? Yeah, Ducky uh, is David McCallum's character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when he was younger. And without missing a beat, uh, Gibbs says, Ilya Kuryakin, <laughs> as, if, as if some, uh, you know, young kid would know who that was. Yeah. But.
1: Um, anyway, actually, the other story thing is he was 90 years old.
0: Yeah. So that is true. You don't
1: think it was that old? No. Uh, Not even. So, Dave McCallum. Uh, so, we'll miss him. All right. So, uh, that winds it up uh, until uh, next week, right?
0: I guess so. We're trying to dry out. We've had an awful lot of rain, yeah. and we've had crazy cold weather. Now it's getting warm again for a few minutes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm looking for fall. I'm okay. ready for fall.
1: Bravely enter October. So until next week, this is Dan Abuham.
0: And Tamsin Granger with Tamsin and Dan. Read the paper.
1: See ya.